0: News reports say Al-Qaeda in Iraq is crippled, perhaps irreversibly, and Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice says the Middle East is ready for a Palestinian state. Are these things true? We'll ask Fox News contributor Colonel David Hunt. Also here in Texas, early voting starts next Monday on amendments to the Texas Constitution. The Free Market Foundation's Kelly Shackelford will help us understand what's at stake. This is Jerry Johnson live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture.
1: Mr. Gorbachev
2: tear down this wall. It's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind.
0: December 7th, 1941,
3: a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what
0: the meaning of the word is. Yes.
3: president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at Live.com. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson.
0: This is going to be a serious and substantive conference that will advance the cause of the establishment of a Palestinian state. We frankly have better things
4: to do than invite people to uh, Annapolis for photo op.
1: That's Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice, and she is talking about now being the time for a Palestinian state, she's looking for some kind of a solution, here she is again. The President has decided to make this one of
0: the highest priorities of his administration and of his time in office, means that he
1: is absolutely serious about moving this issue forward and moving it as rapidly as possible to conclusion. All right, so Condoleezza Rice pressing for the president the case for a Palestinian state, but here's Pat Robertson. He's believing that a withdrawal from East Jerusalem and the West Bank would ultimately turn those areas over to Hamas militants.
0: They want to destroy Israel, and uh, to think you could make peace under those terms is just insane. But we keep plugging down the road with this so-called road map and all of our uh, desire to have this uh, glorified Palestinian state.
1: All right, and here's Robinson again on the potential wrath of God as a result of this.
0: It's my feeling, and I say this advisedly, that he that touches Jerusalem touches the apple of God's eye.
1: All right, Penna, in just a minute we're going to be talking about the Middle East, a lot of instability over there right now. Turkey. Uh, Making noises that they may invade Iraq. We're going to talk to Colonel Hunt in just a moment about that.
4: Well, there's also some successes to talk about. uh, But also in the state of Texas, there's an election coming up. Early voting starts a week from today. Did you even know that? You know, there are no candidates on the ballot, just constitutional amendments. But they're really important, and they affect you and they affect your pocketbook. Kelly Shackelford of the Free Market Foundation is going to join us to explain those and help you to get a free guide to those amendments. Also, former presidential candidate Howard Phillips is going to join us next segment to talk about the role of an international body, the U.N., for instance, in American policy. I'm looking forward to that.
1: All right, Colonel David Hunt is a Fox News military analyst. He has over 29 years of military experience. He's a frequent guest here on Jerry Johnson Live. Colonel Hunt, welcome back. Hi, good afternoon. How you doing? Hey, Colonel Hunt, we're reading that the Turkish government is seeking parliamentary approval for a military operation in Iraq against the Kurdish rebels. What is about to happen, why is it going to happen, and why should we be concerned?
5: Uh, part of it's already happened. The, the Kurdish, the, Kurd, the Turkish military has already begun to move, you know, large numbers of mechanized armor and infantry troops to the northern Iraq border. The issue is that the Kurds, uh, are somewhat of a nomadic people, because they only have their own country, are very, very tough, very disciplined fighters. And the Kurd- there's a large Kurdish population inside Turkey. It does not like the Turks. The Turks don't like them. And now you've got the, 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 a Kurdish state, if you will, inside Iraq. The Turks are, are contending, I don't think it's true, but the Kurds think, I'm contending, that, that, that Kurdish rebels are going across the Turkish border and killing Turkish soldiers. That does, that, that's not computing. I don't think it's happening. The Turks are it's a, democ- a democracy, and they're asking their government to authorize an act of war. If they cross the border into Iraq, that they'll also shut us out of Insulik, which is a, a, a tur- uh, an air base in Turkey, which we fly 75% of our supplies into Iraq. Uh, the Turks, are, well, at, we're, we're the only friends they have. They do this, they're going to be completely isolated. But it would cause us trouble because the Turks are a NATO ally. An unbelievable complication mm. in Iraq when things are starting to turn in a positive vein there. Well,
1: let's talk about that for a minute, because I'm reading just today in the Washington Post, they're they're reporting that we may have crippled or even delivered a death blow to al-Qaeda. You and I have talked about um, how Iraq was not working for us. I'm I'm interested to get your take on the surge now thus far. Uh, Up until this... Turkish development. How did you feel we're doing now in the last two or three months with the surge?
5: The 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 the, the American military's part of the surge has been working. They've done a great job uh, with it. I mean, they, we've been killing. We we got success in Al Anbar province with the Sunnis. Um, we've had we've had success against Al Qaeda. Where there are there are, there's positive signs by the American military. The problem with the surge, though is that the Iraqi government, military and police, particularly the police and the government, is not taking advantage, are not taking advantage of the of the security that we're creating. The Iraqi military is getting better and I think you're going to find in the end a government that's that's backed somewhat like Pakistan, somewhat like Turkey, somewhat like Indonesia, which you've got a government that, that is backed by its military. Um, that like, like a junta, like a, that the military is really kind of running the place. I think because there is no order right now in Iraq. Uh, it's so our surge, although working, is not having the Iraqi people are not taking advantage of it.
4: So really this military-backed government is about the best we could hope for.
5: I think that's where it's going because of how bad the government is not only just, it's not, it's just incompetent, they're massively corrupt. And we, we can't get anything done. As an example, the Iraqi government hasn't let a contract in over two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're stealing money left and right, and they're not taking care of the people, which is so the people of Iraq are turning towards these militias, these illegal militias for things like water and lights and security. So we've done a great job of that. And Petraeus, by the way, said this as did Crocker. Not in this, not this. Briefly, right. But he said it much nicer than I am. But it, the truth is that the military's done a great job. Our, our, our uh, uh, wounded and deaths are down. The amount of attacks are down. And now if people want to talk about, you know, we've wiped out or, or we've won the war against al-Qaeda, I'd be very careful with that. I, I think what's happened is al-Qaeda is shifting.
4: Are they the moving north?
5: responsibility to Afghanistan.
4: Okay, let me ask you this because another reason uh that we I think need to be concerned is the uh, Congress, the majority in Congress, because you know you just mentioned uh this real threat uh, of an attack from Turkey, and they have just issued this resolution against uh, Turkey <laughs> i mean for something that happened almost a hundred years ago think it a that stupid or what oh uh, it's incredible the, 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 the it was
5: all all the things are Congress. It hasn't done them in the last eight years. And now we can agree that, 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 that what you're talking about is the, the, the Congress wants to say, or as he is saying, there was genocide committed in, by the Turks on the Armenians. Now, there's a lot of death. De- de- uh, there was mass murder on, at, of the Armenians, there's no question.
4: Yeah, between but, 1915 and 1923.
5: Yeah, the problem is that the, some of the undertow of this is the Ar- some of the Armenian population was siding with the Russians during World War I. Nobody wants to talk about this part, and that's where some of them were killed. However, the Turks are brutal, and they absolutely brutalize the Armenians. But who ca- I mean I, why go back I, to this?: I don't think I care about, about this. I don't and it's a terrible timing. The Turkish relationship with us is tenuous. They is this a North way
4: East. to undermine uh, our war effort because they're not being successful in Congress and pulling the funding?
5: I, I hope it's not that 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 deceitful, but it's possible. Because the Turks weren't, though, very helpful at the beginning of the war. They wouldn't let the 4th ID come in through Turkey, if you remember. But they have been lately. If the Turks kick us out of the air base in Turkey, that will hurt us. Mm -hmm. If they come across the border in Iraq, that's an act of war. And the problem with that is that we're going to get in a gun battle with the Turkish military or our NATO allies. I don't think the Armenian thing is pushing it as much as I do the Kurds, but it is absolutely not helpful. And meaningless, meaningless uh, when, you, when you look at um, what's happening out in the world. To declare this genocide, it was mass murder, it was terrible. This many years later, doesn't make any sense.
1: You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking to Fox News military analyst Colonel David Hunt. He has 29 years of military experience. Colonel Hunt, do you have any thoughts today on the Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice saying now is the time to press for a Palestinian state. Do you think uh, we want to force something to happen over there right now in the Middle East?
5: Um, no, I don't think you not First of all, I don't think you can. I think it's too little too late. I think the, the Palestinian-Israeli issue is, is serious. I think Almert, the current Israeli, the Israeli government for the last 20 years, has, has been open to some kind of settlement. We almost had one in the Clinton administration. All right. If it wasn't for Arafat, you know, blocking it, I believe that it is at the heart of much of our trouble in the Middle East, and it's got to be solved. And I think it can be solved peaceably. I'm, I'm surprised that they did this this late. I think they're desperate. The administration is desperate for this. I don't. I don't. First of all, it can't be forced. By the way, the Palestinians are in, are being run by Hamas. They voted Hamas into their government. Hamas is a terrorist organization directly answering to Iran. So there's no way that the American government is going to force an Iranian-supported government called Hamas in Palestine to do anything.
1: Well, it's quite a mix in the Middle East. Colonel Hunt, Mm -hmm. thank you for being with us. We hope to have you back soon. Thank you. Take care, guys. All right, Penna, this is really uh, becoming a tinderbox because you've got um, the president, through Condoleezza Rice, really saying, now is the time we're going to make something happen in Jerusalem. I can remember President Bush's father who said, Jerusalem should never be a
4: divided city. And yet uh, there's been a lot of talk about actually dividing Jerusalem, and now, this week, we have this uh, Annapolis... East Peace Summit coming up, and Rice is talking about a Palestinian state and how this is going to be a legacy of the Bush administration. That's what they're pushing for. Well, you've got Pat Robertson saying, look,
1: um, this is the Holy Land. This is the land that God gave to the Jewish people. And if we try to force something, uh, you know, Pat Robertson went so far as to say that Sharon was being judged by God. Uh, in his illness for giving up land. We talked about that some time ago on this program. But uh, regardless of what people think of that, to me it's an amazing time for us to, to press for something. As Colonel Hunt mentions, the Hamas government, the Hamas movement in Palestine is financed and funded by the Iranians. We're just strengthening the Iranian position if we do this right now at this time. And um, we've got our own troubles now with our NATO ally, Turkey, invading, possibly invading Iraq. Well, we're going to stay tuned to this and uh, keep you updated. And uh, we really do want to know what you think really about the Holy Land, the Promised Land. And perhaps later on the program we can open up the lines and talk about this concept of Israel and Jerusalem. Does that belong? to uh, Jews today. We know that God promised this to the Jews in the Old Testament, but uh, is this still a promise that is binding today? So we ought to talk about that later on in the program. But coming up, we're going to get an update on the Medellin case, the North American alliance between Canada, America, and the United States, that is, and Mexico, and the Law of the Sea Treaty. All of these things are tied together into worldwide government, the United Nations is our sovereignty being threatened. We're going to talk to Howard Phillips about that and more when we come back. It's Jerry Johnson live with Penedexter. We'll be right back.
3: college today for information about the upcoming term call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu that's criswell.edu you're listening to jerry johnson live now here's your host dr jerry johnson president of criswell college and criswell communications
5: uh, well, uh, what I don't understand is uh, what this court case is. What part of illegal do people not
1: understand? All right, that's a caller. Last week on Jerry Jots Live, we were talking about Jose Medellin, or Medellin, an illegal alien, along with five other gang thug members, raped and killed two teenagers in Houston, strangled them kick them while they were begging for their life, and then he bragged about this crime again and again. He has been sentenced to death. But the question is, can the president, can an international court tell Texas not to execute Mr. Medellin? We talked about that last week. The Supreme Court heard arguments about this last week, and it raises serious questions about U.S. sovereignty and the concept of world government and their other threats to our sovereignty. Right now, we've talked about the Law of the Sea Treaty. We've talked about the so-called North American Union. With us to analyze all of this is Howard Phillips. He's been chairman of the Conservative Caucus since 1974. He was the 2000 presidential nominee of the Constitution Party, and he has served in the Nixon administration, heading two federal agencies. Welcome back, Howard, to the program.
2: Jerry, great to be with you.
1: Howard, how do you view this Medellin case? Um, What do you think's at stake here for the U.S.? Well,
2: uh, one of the great outrages is that this gang rape and murder happened 13 years ago. And uh, while those innocent uh, gals are dead, uh, the murderers, the rapists, are still alive. And part of it is because of the... Uh, New World Order perspective that that George Bush has adopted as president, deferring uh, to uh, an international uh, judicial body. When he was governor, there were 152 uh, executions in Texas, and that's one of the reasons conservatives supported him when he uh, ran for the presidency. But now he's saying that it's his job to enforce a decision by the International Court of Justice that says the rights of these murderers and rapists, as well as 50 other Mexican-born prisoners, were violated uh, in the context of the 1963 Vienna Convention. Thank God that there are still people in Texas who abide by the motto, Don't Mess With Texas.
1: (laughs) Well, Howard, you know, a lot of times when we talk about the threat of the United Nations to our sovereignty. I think a lot of people think that this is a a peripheral issue. But I'm wondering, what do you think last week, when in the Supreme Court, those uh, nine justices were actually hearing that there was a court out there that could overrule them? How do you think that's going to set with them?
2: Well, uh, I certainly hope that uh, our federal judges on the Supreme Court (coughs) and on the (coughs) lower courts recognize that the oath they took was to the Constitution of the United States and not to the Charter of the United Nations.
4: Howard, uh, it's Penn and Dexter. Of course, we're talking about these authorities over and above the U.S. government, uh, like a world court. And also, um, we've been discussing the issue of the Law of the Sea Treaty, which would put us under some sort of international seabed authority. I assume the U.N. is kind of uh, pulling the strings there. Uh, What is the danger of allowing the sovereignty over the seas that normally accrues to the U.S. government and our businesses to go to uh, an international body?
2: Penn, it's great to hear your voice and to talk to you. Uh, The U.N. Law of the Sea Treaty, if ratified by the Senate, would be a giant step toward world government, because it would give the United Nations uh, independent sources of revenue. Right now, the UN is funded only at the sufferance of member governments, which pay so-called dues to the United Nations. But under the Law of the Sea Treaty, the United Nations would have access to resources without any reliance on uh, the member governments uh, within the United Nations. Now, the Bush. Does
4: that mean we get to not pay our dues if we do this?
2: Uh, I'm afraid that uh, <laughs> uh, the so-called dues, which are really taxes, uh, would continue to be demanded of us, just as if there were a sales tax, a national sales tax in the United States. My hunch is that we'd uh, still uh, have an income tax. Mm-hmm. Uh, levied upon us. So it's an
4: income tax and a sales tax. Yeah,
2: that's why I'm opposed to the so-called fair tax, uh, which Mike Huckabee is pushing, as are some others. But you know, the uh, uh, reason the Bush administration has prevailed upon the Navy and the Coast Guard to uh, urge ratification of the treaty is because beginning with Dick Cheney's tenure as defense secretary under the first President Bush, our Navy has been cut in half. Uh, thanks to uh, John Lehman and Jim Webb, when they were Navy secretaries under Ronald Reagan, our Navy uh, was up to nearly 600 ships. Now it's down to somewhere in the mid-200s. And uh, one of the key people in the Navy said recently (coughs) that we're on our way down to 150 ships, and the Communist Chinese are on the way up to 600.
4: So is this why the Bush administration is pushing this treaty now?
2: I think that's a big reason for it. You know, a few years ago, when Bill Clinton's uh, chief of naval operations was still a Bush administration holdover, as he had been for five years into the Bush administration, uh, he scoffed at the idea that there was any problem with uh, communist China. And uh, during his tenure, out of our huge defense budget, and I'm all for defense spending, only $11 billion went for the Navy. Fortunately, there's been a shift uh, at the top of the Navy, and things are getting better. But we have to spend more money building the Navy. It is absolutely crucial uh, to our ability to keep open the sea lanes of communication and supply. Uh, The Navy is essential to the security of the United States. And I wish we weren't wasting hundreds of billions of dollars in Iraq and were instead devoting that money to the defense of the territory and population of the United States.
1: You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking to Howard Phillips. He's been chairman of the Conservative Caucus since 1974. And actually, Howard, my father used to be opening those envelopes from you. <laughs> I would see those in my house, and he would read intently your newsletter. And I didn't know you back then, but it's, it's, I've made that connection. It's, it's amazing. You've been at the work for so many years, and you've been warning particularly about these uh, world government threats to U.S. sovereignty. We've talked about the World Court. We've talked about the Law of the Sea Treaty. I want to ask you this. Uh, the North American Union, so-called, between Canada, the United States, and Mexico, where are we right now? What is the threat right now? Well,
2: let me just uh, do a brief commercial and say that one of the greatest honors ever paid me was at a meeting uh, sponsored by the Hudson Institute at which Robert Pastor of the Council on Foreign Relations spoke and said if it weren't for Howard Phillips and Lou Dobbs, people wouldn't be worrying about wow. the North American Union. Yeah. So he I was trying to make it. that an
4: insult, wasn't he? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a badge I, I of honor. Please
2: say it again, Mr. Pastor. But uh, no, they, this is a scheme which the Bush administration has been advancing since its inception. Uh, it was interesting that the other night on Larry King Live, Vicente Fox, the former president of Mexico, acknowledged that down the road they look forward to having an Amaro, uh, analogous to the euro, which wow. would replace the Mexican peso, the Canadian dollar, the U.S. dollar. The the Bush strategy is to do all of this without legislative approval, based on a very arcane stretch interpreting uh, executive authority uh, under what legislation I, I know not. And uh, the the good news is that whenever this has come up in Congress, we've won. Duncan Hunter... Introduced an amendment on July 24 to prevent the use of uh, any Department of Transportation money uh, to advance the Security and Prosperity Partnership and the NAFTA Superhighway, and it passed 300 and something to about 60 or 70 That's votes. It was aided by Democrat Marcy Kaptur. At the last minute, the Bushies tried to slip into uh, the McCain Kennedy Bush uh, immigration deform bill language, uh, (laughs) authorizing the SPP, and when the immigration bill went down, so did that uh, stab at securing uh, legislative approval of what they're doing. Where do we stand? Well, uh, the Bush administration is doing everything they can to advance this and all of its components. You know, as you know, in Texas, the legislature has been very skeptical of the Trans-Texas Corridor, and they voted to delay it for a couple of years, and then the Bush administration jumped in and said, uh, unless you proceed with the NAFTA superhighway, we're going to cut off all of the money going to Texas wow. from the Federal Highway Administration. Well, frankly, I think Texas would be better off without federal money. But nonetheless, it shows the uh, fact that uh, the Bush administration is doing everything it can it can uh, to pressure states and uh, localities into uh, accepting their New World Order agenda.
1: Howard, we're about out of time. Last question. You've mentioned Huckabee. You've mentioned uh, Duncan Hunter. Who is, if you had to pick the current crop of the Republican candidates, who's your favorite top choice right now?
2: Well, of course, uh, none of them is perfect, uh, and the Constitution Party will have a nominee. Uh, Ron Paul probably comes closest to my own thinking, particularly on... Uh, constitutional domestic issues, and uh, as with me, he's a non interventionist. But let me also say that I have a very high regard for Duncan Hunter. Uh, he's got the best record in Congress against abortion, the best record on immigration and border control, the best record on immigration uh, and uh, on trade, on Red China, uh, the best record on building up our uh, defenses as a country and on other issues as well. So I'd say that. The, Without any disrespect to Tom Tancredo, uh, the two standouts in the Republican field are Ron Paul and uh, Duncan Hunter. Huckabee uh, is not a conservative. He's a liberal. He raised taxes. He raised spending. Uh, he pandered to the African American debate crowd, saying he favored uh, voting rights in Congress for D.C., even though the Constitution says only states could do that. As governor of Arkansas, he greatly expanded the bureaucracy in that state.
1: Hey, Howard, I'm out uh, of you're time. you wealth of I, information. I have to go. We'll have you back for analysis of all the candidates. Howard Phillips, thank you so thank much. Thank
2: you, my friends. Cut in. Jerry, great.
1: All right. Election's coming up. We talk to Kelly Shackelford next.
3: You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications.
1: Well, if we're properly prepared for all the different things that can happen to us, we'll be prepared for that as well. Right? I mean, we we'll, so we're, we'll, we'll be, we'll be prepared for anything that happens. And uh, I think we have here a budding, this
0: could be Steven, the new Steven Spielberg. <laughs>
1: All right, that's Rudy Giuliani, former mayor of New York City. He's running for president of the United States. He's the front runner right now among the Republicans. And uh, a little boy asked him in New Hampshire at one of those town hall meetings if there's someone living on another planet and it's bad and he comes over here, what would you do? And so Giuliani's saying we're prepared for. Any attack will be prepared for the aliens as well. I watched on C-SPAN over the weekend uh, Giuliani at a uh, town hall meeting, and uh, pretty impressive. People like him, and he does a pretty good job on the stump speech. He is the front-runner right now. Of course, I've got problems with uh, his position on abortion, his position on homosexual marriage. And I think a lot of other conservatives do. We'll talk about that later on in the program. But let me remind you two important program notes tomorrow. Peter Singer, the debate. We're going to be debating Peter Singer. He's an ethicist up at Princeton University. And this man believes that um, he's the father of the animal rights movement. And he's not... Not lifting up animals to the level of humans, but dragging humans down to the level of animals. He's pro-infanticide, pro-abortion, pro-euthanasia, pro-assisted suicide. And you will not believe some of the things he'll probably say tomorrow. But you tune in for that, and it'll be a kind of a debate. And then Thursday, uh, the anti-Peter Singer, we have Ann Coulter. And boy, she's uh, um, big news right now. And of course, speaking out and speaking up, she always says something provocative And uh, Ann Coulter will be here Thursday night, the 18th. Do not miss it.
4: Do not miss it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, most Texans don't even know there's an election coming up, but there is. In fact, early voting starts next week, October 22nd. And just because there are no candidates on the ballot doesn't mean you should stay home for this election. In fact, some of the constitutional amendments that are going to be voted on could affect your life directly. Now, with us to talk about it is Kelly Shackelford. He's president of the Free Market Foundation. He's going to help us unpack what's on the ballot. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for joining us.
0: Oh, uh, happy to be on, Pennon Thanks, Jerry.
4: Kelly, uh, people uh, look at these constitutional amendments. I'm even looking at them and saying, um, I'm not sure which side I'm on of some of these. <laughs> You've got a resource for people. Uh, before we start, just tell us how they can get that, because I think this would be quite helpful.
0: Well, the easiest way is uh, to go just online at uh, free market. That's just one word: free dot org. And uh, there's a click. You can click on the voter's guide and print it out right there, and take you can take these with you. In fact, many do into the voting booth. Um, and the other way is if you don't have internet access, just call our office uh, in in Dallas, which is nine seven two four two three eight 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 nine either way. But uh, the problem with these, Pena, is that most people, there's no way they could, you know, sort of do all the research to really uh, go in depth on each of these amendments. There's 16 of them. But we're talking about amending our Constitution, Mm -hmm. and some of these things are, you know, we're talking, you know, four or five billion dollars of our taxpayer money you're voting on, and people really do need to be educated, and they need to get the information and make an educated vote and do what they think is best.
4: You know, we all look at the presidential race, we look at the races for U.S. Senate congressmen, but when you get down closer to where it really hits you in the pocketbook, um, in a sense we can have even more impact on our lives and the way our lives go by paying attention to things like this constitutional election. Am I I stretching that at all? No,
0: I mean it, it, it definitely has a huge impact and I would point out Unlike the president race, in all of our elections, uh, the, the voting turnout is, is really uh, sadly low. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that, that seems to be true for Christians as well as those who aren't. Uh, as Christians, we should be very responsible with the, the stewardship of what the Lord's given us, the incredible blessings. But I would point out that this one really is an off the charts type election in that it's not like half the people vote. It's, it's like sometimes 5%.
1: Well, maybe we can change that, Kelly. It's November 6, 2007, Election Day, but actually early voting October 22nd to November 2nd. And that so, starts
4: a week from today.
1: So, uh, folks, you say, well, what's at stake? And uh, we're glad you've asked because our guest is Kelly Shackleford. He's president of the Free Market Foundation. And if you go to freemarket.org on the web, you can see their analysis of 16 amendments to the texas constitution now kelly let me ask you this the bible says we're to be salt and light um pick two or three of these that you think you know christians might really have concern about or uh, that you think are most important to our state
0: um well i would say you know the ones that sort of leap off off the page are the ones that involve really large amounts of money um because, as we know, uh, you know, that's a stewardship issue. If if the Lord gives us money, it's his. Yes. And we need to use it in the most responsible way. And, and one, it goes to a basic philosophy of government. For instance, uh, there's one that would authorize uh, $5 billion in bonds <laughs> for highway improvement projects. Yeah. And, you know, again, the government's always going to have good reasons to spend your money, But in this case, the debate is how you do it. Do you do it through bonds that you pay interest expense on? Or do you go through, you know, uh, uh, the actual transportation fund that the legislature is supposed to be using to fund the roads and use that?
1: Because in that process, they'll have to justify these projects. There will be debate and competition and so forth. And uh, from the the ballot is... uh, a separate process yes
0: well and and you save yourself uh... you know if you do five billion dollars in bonds, there's there's you know interest issues and and the other thing is there's a temptation and this is what legislators have a hard time with if you you know if you go and you pay taxes every time you pay for gas and and you pay taxes this way and that way and they put it into a fund and it's supposed to be the transportation fund and then you find that there's nothing there for you know the roads. Then you go, well, what did you do with the money? I mean, there's a discipline here uh, that that comes into play as well. But that's one. And another really big one that a lot of people would recognize is the issue of whether we do $3 billion in bonds, which ends up being $4.6 billion in bonds and interest, on what is a very good uh, purpose, which is uh, research, establishing research and support for research on cancer. Uh, well, you know, that sounds great, but is that is that something government should be doing? Uh, should private industry be doing that? I mean, there's a, an interesting debate there, too.
4: Kelly, can I jump in on that yeah. one? Because I'm wondering if this one could be used to advance uh, embryonic stem cell research. I've noticed that uh, some people in this state government have said, we need to spend money to keep the best scientists here.
0: Well, that yeah, and that that's a concern, and that's something that we haven't decided in Texas. We, you know, we've never... We've had that debate each time there have been embryonic stem cell uh, research, you know, bills to stop it. For instance, I mean, locally in the area, Ken Paxton had a bill mm-hmm. that would really prohibit us from using taxpayer money uh, to essentially clone, human clone, and then kill uh, in order to use that embryonic stem cell type research. Did
4: that pass? Yeah.
0: Well, it didn't. Uh, so w- there is no restriction right now. In Texas. And so this is something that, again, will have to be fought out over the legislature. So, you know, those kinds of issues could come into play. But certainly, you know, the big issue of, uh, I mean, the way it reads, this is Proposition 15, uh, is, you know, it would establish the Cancer Prevention and Research Institute. And I, I should explain when people do go and look at our uh, voters' guides, Penna and Jerry, we don't take a position on any of these we we do our our level best to get the best arguments each side can present we even call the people on each side and say look here's what we've got are we missing anything because we want to really empower people to have the best information so then they could go in and vote what they feel is right and what you know what they feel is you know best for texas
1: Well, that's right kelly i'm looking at your guide right now and you have a summary And then you have arguments for and arguments against. So people can uh, make up their own mind. Again, that's freemarket.org. Kelly Shackelford, president of the Free Market Foundation, thank you for being with us today.
0: I thank you, guys.
1: All right. Well, uh, we've been talking about elections, and it's it's just amazing. We can't talk about any subject without uh, the president coming up. We cannot talk about any subject without uh, the presidential race coming up. And we've heard the name Giuliani today. We've heard the name Hunter today. We've heard the name Mike Huckabee today. And I actually just want to open up the phone lines right now and allow people to call. We're going to be talking about some other items in the news. But you've heard someone talk about Ron Paul today, someone that we turn to for counsel time and time again. That's Howard Phillips. And he says, hey, I favor Ron Paul right now. And uh, that's a fascinating choice. And uh, the number is 800-881-9270. 800-881-9270. If you listen to the news at the break, you hear that Mike Huckabee is sort of complaining. He's the um, former governor of Arkansas, and he's a former pastor. And he's complaining that Christian leaders are not backing him in his campaign. And he says that they love power over principle. And they agree with him on principle, but uh, they don't think he can win. And he quoted the scripture, you know, what about the man who gains his own, gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And, you know, I think, Penn, I, we've had Mike Huckabee on this mm-hmm. program twice, and we kind of like him. He's a likable guy. But I, I hear a lot of people that have principled objections to Mike Huckabee. They object to him because he is announcing a lot of social programs that are going to cost a lot of money. Government's going to keep giving, getting bigger and bigger and bigger if Mike Huckabee is elected. What about his fare tax? Uh, Howard Phillips talked about that. So we want to know what you think. The number is 800-881-9270. 800-881-9270. Call us about Thompson. Hunter. Huckabee, Giuliani, 800-881-9270. And we're going to think again what Pat Robertson said. We're going to think about the Holy Land, Israel, Jerusalem. Who should have it? The Jews or the Palestinians? What does the Bible say? This is Jerry Johnson Live with Pennedexter. We'll be right back and take your calls.
3: Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call one 800 12 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's criswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. All right, welcome back.
1: We're talking about who could be the next president of the United States. Former counsel to the White House, Dan Bartlett, held no punches when he offered his assessment of some of the GOP, that is the Republicans, the presidential hopefuls.
0: Biggest wild card, which is amazing, I'm going to say this, is somebody who was a front runner is McCain. Biggest dud, Fred Thompson. People are not going to step out and say, I have a problem with, with Romney because he's Mormon what they're going to say is he's a flip flopper. Best message, Rudy.
1: President Huckabee, you got to be kidding. You know, Hope, Arkansas. <laughs> here we go again. I it it's <laughs> Of course, Governor Huckabee is saying uh give Hope a second chance. That's his theme, that's his slogan referring to Bill Clinton who was from Hope, uh Arkansas. So we're taking your calls at 800 881 Who are you supporting?
4: You know, well, I'm not going to really say yet because I haven't landed on anybody yet. But Dr. Johnson, it's very interesting. He said a biggest dud was Fred Thompson. And, you know, we were a little bit uh, complimentary of the way he uh, performed in the debate. He did better than I thought he would. But then, ever since, he has not showed up on the campaign trail. He hasn't been to New Hampshire. He has missed some of his uh, uh, events that he was supposed to go to. And people are wondering, where's Fred Thompson? I think he's supposed to be on Fox tonight, so we'll see. He is. We'll see. He did get off to a slow start, but he did well at the debate. I think for himself,
1: and uh, if he keeps going up uh, in the polls, he's doing quite well right now. We've got Joshua on the line from Glen Rose. We're talking about presidents. We're talking about Israel. Josh, what's your comment today?
0: Uh, hello, Doctor Johnson. Uh, I started out as a McCain fan, but I've switched over to uh, uh, Governor Huckabee. Yeah,
1: I'm a Huckabee
0: fan. Um, I, you know. I don't see that there's any reason to compromise right now on the social conservative issues. You know, that might be necessary later on if it's a Giuliani Clinton. But right now we have a viable candidate who has conservative views on social issues, biblical views. And so, you know, I think it's uh, he's a great candidate. He's also a great speaker. And, I you know, I think that's important for America to have, you know, as a representative to the world and just to the citizens.
1: Hey, thanks, Joshua. I think you're right. He is a great speaker. He uh, does really well in all of the debates. Even the secular commentators always say, look, the best laugh lines, the best demeanor, it's Huckabee. And um, and he's pro-life and he's pro-family. But there are other things that he's bringing that other conservatives say, wait a minute, he's for much bigger government, and they have concerns about that. And I think it may be slowing him down. It's not so much that he's a preacher, uh, but that um, perhaps they would say he's... He doesn't have the economic conservative package that we want to see.
4: You know, people are looking at this and saying, "Okay, who can beat Hillary Clinton? Because they're pretty sure Hillary Clinton will be the Democrat nominee. And, uh, you know, a lot of the pro-lifers, and I'm included in this category, don't think Giuliani could beat her because they don't. I don't think that uh, you're going to get enough of the pro-lifers to really get out and support a Giuliani candidacy much. And maybe they would vote for him, but they wouldn't really work for him. Uh, Thompson, that's a real wild card because we just don't know what he's going to do, how he's going to do Romney some people have problems with now Huckabee and Romney I think could actually out debate Hillary and that would be interesting to see uh, them you know one-on-one with Hillary Clinton it's important as our last caller said to be able to communicate and so we need to look at the candidates and see whether they could do that
1: you know on this program we've heard three candidates give strong Christian testimony Mike Huckabee Duncan Hunter Tom Tancredo Mm -hmm. all of them talk about their faith in Jesus Christ Pro-family, pro-life. And, uh, of course, we heard about Ron Paul and Alan Keyes, you know. And uh, they're not uh, front and center candidates, but they are pro-life and pro-family. And uh, we're going to be watching Thompson. I think right now, though, he is strong in the polls. And you're Mm -hmm. right. He has to... uh, build on that. And there are great possibilities, if you read about this, uh, for the Thompson candidacy. So we'll continue to watch and wait. We've got Bob on the line from Terrell. Bob wants to comment on the Jewish Palestinian question. Bob, what do you think?
0: Well, the first thing is, uh, the land Palestine operates, it's not Palestinian land, or it's not Israeli land. It's God's land. And uh, what's, what's next for President Bush? Is he going to give the uh, the temple up to the uh Israel, is the uh, the Islamic State and also for president uh I like uh Duncan Hunter and I like Huckabee because when I look at Ron Paul every time he speaks at the debate it's like uh, somebody that's never had any algebra or trig and uh, they walk into their uh, first class of uh calculus. It's like the what <laughs> what's
1: next? Okay. Thank you so much, Bob. Well he has um made an issue of himself at all the debates, mm-hmm. and that is he's the only one that really speaks against the war. And, of course, he's just very strict on saying we can only go to war if we are attacked, uh, invaded. And he his, his point is that uh, this wasn't a country, it was a group of people. But I think um, uh, we're in a new world, and I think uh, groups of people can pose uh, a national kind of a threat today. We've seen that and um, even more so with nuclear technology and chemical and bio- biological. But I think he is on to something to say, look, the Congress needs to declare war. And I think we do need to, to think more about that, And because uh, that is an important constitutional duty for Congress to declare war. Well, here's Pat Robertson again on the notion that we're hearing now from the White House, Condoleezza Rice, Secretary of State and the President, that now is the time to make something happen in Israel. This whole thing,
0: in my opinion, is quixotic. Just think what would happen if Hamas got hold of the West Bank, and they're going to do it.
1: Okay, so here's the question. Pat Robertson is saying, look, um, you've got Hamas running the Palestinian government right now, and they are bankrolled by Iran. Ahmadinejad has said, we want to imagine a world without Israel. Ahmadinejad, the president of Iran, has said, we want to imagine a world without the United States. And Pat Robertson is concerned, and I think rightly so, that legitimizing this terrorist-backed government is it's the wrong thing at the wrong time and that Condoleezza Rice is simply mistaken. Now, we raised a greater question earlier, Penna, on this show, and I want to read a couple of passages of Scripture. And that is, who gets this land? And I'm going back to Genesis, Genesis chapter 12, where God says to Abram, I will make thee a great nation, I will bless thee, I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee, and in thee all the families of the earth, shall be blessed. And we have been blessed by the Jewish people, of course. From the Jewish people came Jesus Christ. What a blessing. But then if you go to the next chapter, the promise is more specific. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot was separated from him, Lift up your eyes, look from the place where you are, north, south, east, and west, for all the land which you see, to you I will give it, and to your seed forever." Forever is a long time. And this promise is repeated again and again, even more specifically with rivers and oceans uh, later on in the Old Testament. Israel has only possessed that land in relationship to their faithfulness or unfaithfulness to God throughout the Old Testament. But nevertheless, they have a, a title to it, I believe, according to God's Word. And we're asking for trouble if we give that land to the terrorist. This is Jerry Johnson Live, Peter Singer on tomorrow, and Coulter Thursday.
3: You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian Worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.